0: Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Regarding the two key Supreme Court rulings today, I spoke to Representative French Hill of Arkansas to get his perspective. Congressman French Hill, thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Uh, today the Supreme Court has just ruled restricting the EPA's uh, leverage over uh, the energy sector to a certain degree. Um, what do you think this means going forward for your state and the country as a whole?
1: Well House Republicans have led for years on this idea of bringing balance into the environmental impact statement concept. That it doesn't rule the roost and deny the ability to do development of any kind or the development of natural resources of any kind. So to me this sends a significant that we need balance in the federal regulatory system. And one of the biggest contributors, in my view, towards this inflation that we have and high gas prices is the Biden administration, of course, overspending, but also their war on energy through the federal regulatory system. No leasing, no permitting, no approval of new pipelines, and delaying uh, natural resource development through things like what the court addressed today.
0: How concerning is it that you see the EPA tying the hands of American energy when you see adversaries like China being able to flourish, whether it be through coal or various other things? Does it get to the point where it could be a national security issue? Energy's always been a national
1: security issue for our country. That's why it's in the Defense Production Act. That's why we are so proud that during the Trump years, we actually became energy independent. This gives America more national security clout, more national security confidence in designing our own strategy, and it allows us to help our allies. This has gone in complete reverse by the Biden administration's obsession with climate change and actually uh, petitioning uh, rogue nations to produce more, like Venezuela, Iran, or Saudi Arabia. So, the Biden administration's headed in the wrong direction on energy and on regulatory policy, and we're paying the cost in national
0: security, and our families are paying the cost literally at the pump another ruling today, um, remain in Mexico. uh, Trump's policy has been rescinded. Um, What's your take on this? I think it's uh, a mistake. You know,
1: we have uh, two big components, I think, that have hurt our uh, border security. First is the physical security. How many agents do we have? How many miles of wall do we have? The technology, the radios, all the things you think of as physical security. Those have really advanced during President Trump's administration, but over many years. We've gotten better at it. But also interior enforcement is what people tell you is the real real way to uh, encourage border security, and that's arresting felons and deporting them. And another way that's been a problem has been this definition of seeking asylum in the U.S., that you have credible fear that you might be killed if you go back to your home country. Well, President Trump designed a policy with Mexico's uh, participation that said, if you're going to seek asylum, you can remain in Mexico. I thought it was a great common sense policy for people that couldn't go home, but also, if they went into the United States, we have an obligation just to release them on their own recognizance. And what President Trump's policy was made sense. We've all advocated that uh, President Biden extended. In fact, the Biden administration said they would. And now, of course, we've gotten this bad news from the court. Congressman
0: French Hill, thank you. Great to be with you. In D.C. this week, people around the world have gathered to shed light on religious persecution at the International Religious Freedom Summit. Today, there's a spotlight on China's hidden crime of forced live organ harvesting. And today's Melina Wisecup brings us more.
2: I'm here at the International Religious Freedom Summit in Washington, D.C., and this afternoon there's a strong focus on China's persecution against spiritual believers, which is still happening to this day.
1: So it is still killing people. And my mom is a very good example. She suffered since the very beginning of the persecution for the last 23 years.
2: His mother was killed just a few months ago after being arrested three times and tortured simply for practicing a meditation discipline called Falun Dafa. Practitioners of this ancient spiritual belief follow the principles of truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance.
1: The more people know about this, the less people will suffer.
2: And one young girl, Ming Kuei Wong, felt the pressure of the persecution at a very young age. When she was just five years old, she saw her mom at a brainwashing center. Being tied up on a chair with like a thick plastic tube inserted into her nose. And she was um, being force-fed. That was the first time I ever saw my mother. She was being used was... as a pawn in the Chinese Communist Party's agenda to force her mother to give up the practice. It was a way to like break her spirit. But the Chinese Communist Party's brutal persecution has reached unimaginable horror. Many of these prisoners of conscience are victims of live forced organ harvesting. Uh, what, what shocked me the most uh, is the stitches uh, on his throat area. And uh, the incision was uh, all the way down. Which clearly indicated that my father's organ had been harvested, likely while he was still alive. Yuhan was 19 years old when her father died. I, I stepped closer to unbutton the clothes, and uh, uh, after I'm opening two buttons, and the police immediately stopped me and forced my family out of a facility. But they all tell me that despite this torture and the mental scars, they refuse to renounce their faith. We believe in truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. That is not wrong. That is universal principles, and it has made me become a better person. Because of their perseverance and dedication to the practice and telling their stories of meeting face-to-face with the persecution, the Communist Party was not successful in squashing the Falun Dafa practice. It really turned my life around pretty quickly and and, uh, I was just trying to learn how to be a good person and it really did that for me. Their shared message is that this practice is good and it is a crime against humanity to persecute these people for their faith. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weisskopf, NTD News.
0: Today at the summit, former Congressman Frank Wolf told me he has seen firsthand evidence about forced organ harvesting. Wolf served in Congress for over three decades. He says one of the biggest problems here in Washington is that too many prominent former officials are now lobbying on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. You know, when you were congressman for a long stretch, when the uh, Falun Gong spiritual movement uh, started to be persecuted by the Chinese regime in the early 2000s, 1999, uh, you were one of the very few very outspoken ones against that persecution. What made you uh, so clear and able to speak out against those atrocities?
3: Well, there were a number of things. I had visited China a number number of times. Uh, Congressman Chris Smith and I had, and... Then, Harry Wu, who was a friend of mine who has since died, uh, gave me information, showed me pictures of people in China uh, who who were in prison. They took their blood type, and then they matched it with Westerners who were coming over and they were selling their kidneys and said they would take them out in this field and. Executed them in such a way that their kidney was able to be transplanted and the cornea. And then when the body would fall, I hate to get very graphic, but this is the picture. that Harry showed them, They would put the, the body in an ambulance. And at that time, they were taking the Westerners who were coming into the hospital to, to prepare them. And as the body, as the ambulance was going to the hospital... Uh, they would be preparing it and taking the kidney out. The freshness of the kidney makes the transplant much more successful. And so Harry gave me a lot of information, a lot of pictures, a lot of data. And then if you look at some of the reports that have come out, the Falun Gong have been also Uyghurs too, but, but have been probably the number one group that's been faced with I
0: mean it's really hard to imagine. I think in the West it's almost unfathomable when we hear it, when we read about it, forced live organ harvesting, but you saw uh, evidence with your I own I saw arms.
3: evidence. Harry actually showed me interviews that he had done with the doctors. He went in as if he was looking for a kidney and they were telling how it worked, how, what the cost was and everything else. And so we, I, I saw the data, I saw the information and then and if you lose your kidney, you know, I mean. Yet we see a certain amount of legitimacy
0: that the Chinese regime has on the world stage. Do you think that their human rights record and continued abuses is kind of their Achilles heel that if exposed could uh, change the tide?
3: I think so, yeah. I, I think so, yeah. It's... Uh, I uh, pray for China uh, that it changes every, every every night. But yeah, I think so. I'm gonna end with this. Your biggest problem, Falun Gong's biggest problem, listen carefully, the Uyghur's biggest problem, Christian's biggest problem, Tibet's biggest problem here in America is that there are very many prominent former high officials They used to be in various administrations that are now now lobbying for the Chinese government. And so that should be prohibited. If, If you've been blessed to have a high level position in either Republican or Democratic administration, you should not be permitted, allowed to go out and lobby for the Chinese. So the Chinese are now literally creating genocide against the Uyghurs. And what they're doing on every faith group from Falun Gong to the Tibetans. Uh, I've seen firsthand what they've done into Tibet. So I, I think that is, you have to take this issue on. And if you don't take this issue on, you're just kind of pretending. You're, you're, you're just having an article and you and you're going on. There should be a law prohibiting... Anybody who had a political appointment in any government, any Republican or Democrat, to not be permitted to lobby for any country that's on a country of particular concern. And if, if you can't get that done, these people are going to run rampant and they earn a lot of money. And so that should be prohibited. If it's a country of particular concern, CBC, you, you know what that is, you should not be permitted to lobby for them.
0: Congressman Frank Wolf, thank you. Thank you. Katrina Lantos-Sweat, daughter of former congressman and Holocaust survivor, is the co-chair of the International Religious Freedom Summit. She says that religious freedom as the foundational freedom is a unifying issue for both conservatives and liberals. Here's part of our conversation. Dr. Katrina Lantos-Sweat, thank you so much for joining us.
4: It's my pleasure. I'm so glad that we could do this today.
0: Absolutely. So please tell us, we're at the International Religious Freedom Summit. Um, what is the significance and weight of this event?
4: That religious freedom really is the foundational freedom from which so many of our other fundamental rights flow. But for a long time, it's been almost something of an orphan right um, right? In, in terms of not really having anybody who wanted to adopt it and carry it forward and advance it with the kind of robustness that is really required. But I think that's beginning to change. You know, it started, of course, some years back with the adoption of the International Religious Freedom Act, with the establishment of the post of Ambassador-at-Large for Religious Freedom. But it was still kind of an inside game. People, you know, just out there in the community really didn't think about it or focus on it. But I do believe that's beginning to change. And I think this summit is evidence of that.
0: So, we're a country right now that is uh, politically fractured. Uh,
4: Yeah, you think? Yeah, think? (laughs) There's a lot of
0: tension. Do you find that the issue of religious freedom, uh, addressing the uh, persecutions throughout the world and uniting these different groups, is a way to kind of bridge a lot of this partisanship?
4: I absolutely do. I really think that um, international religious freedom is a cause around which people of very different political persuasions can come together, can find common ground and can really have a desire to make a difference. You know I teach at Tufts University and one of the classes I teach is on international religious freedom and as is I think often the case on most college campuses today the majority of my students would probably describe themselves as very progressive but I've been heartened and encouraged by how passionate they are about this cause, how strongly they feel about it and how as they study and as they learn about the persecution of communities of faith around the world, you know the Rohingya um, in Burma, the Falun Gong, and the Uyghurs in China. Um, you know, really, we can we can look in so many so many uh, areas. They really their eyes are opened, and they develop, I think, a real desire to to kind of stand up and defend this this essential human right. I also think politically, we look, um, you know, for example at the U.S. Congress, where it's very hard to find common ground. But we have really strong bipartisan support for this foundation, both at the congressional level. The Biden administration is very engaged with us. We have had participation from uh, Secretary of State Blinken, from Melissa Rogers, who is the special advisor to the president on religious matters, from Ambassador Rashad Hussein, um, the new ambassador-at-large for religious freedom. So... Sometimes people tend to think of religious freedom as more of an issue that's embraced by the conservative side of the of the uh, ledger. But I think especially when it comes to international religious freedom, it really is a unifying issue.
0: Dr. Katrina Lantos-Sweat, well, thank you.
4: It's been a pleasure. Thank you.